Well, for anyone hoping we'd seen peak inflation in the US, well, you've been left wondering. Equity markets, well, the trend is firmly your friend. There's been carnage in the crypto markets. And Blake and I look at gold and what currency pairs are coming up on our radar as we go into the trade-off. Hi, my name is Chris Weston, Head of Research here at Pepperstone. In a couple of seconds, I'm going to be joined by Blake Morrow from Forex Analytics, and we're going to be dissecting and navigating all the crazy world of financial markets and some of the big formatics and setups that have come onto our radar. And remember, if you find yourself liking the program, smash the like button. We'd really appreciate that. And of course, if there's anything that you hear throughout today's show, we really, really, really want you to be part of the community. We want to hear your comments. So please get involved in the program where you can. So without further ado, let's bring the great man into the show. Blake, I want to start by saying, you know, last week we called it pretty badly. Um, you know, I think, you know, certainly the Aussie dollar was was one that came firmly on our radar. Risk has come out of the market once again. We've just seen a really you know, much hotter than expected CPI number, which again has caused risk to come out of the market. In fact, you know, every rally that we see is, you know, people are selling into. So the our Aussie calls were pretty poor last week, weren't they? They really were. And uh, yeah, when you said great, man, I about chuckled because, you know, I, I remember vividly uh, we celebrated Mother's Day on Sunday evening and Monday morning in Australia, which is my Sunday evening. Yeah, I got stopped out of my short Euro Aussie as I was eating my burger nice. at a restaurant. So, uh, yeah, it, was, it, it hasn't been my best of moments uh, this week as far as my trading goes, but it does happen, though, you know, and yeah. it happens to everybody. It does, mate. It does. It does. And um, yeah, I don't know, maybe maybe there's a chance to sort of reclaim and, and, and have a look at the Aussie throughout this show. But uh, there's obviously a lot going on in crazy in, in this crazy world of markets. So I think it's probably a good idea just to, to sort of touch base on all the things that come across our radar. So let's go into Topical Funder. Well, the first one, Blake, I mean, we, we talk about this idea of sentiment, but sentiment drives... Uh, equities, it drives markets more broadly. Um, and I, I think sentiment's pretty bad. I mean, I think personally, my, my view is, is that we're going to get a slow grind now, um, maybe sort of one and a half percent, one percent lower in equity markets. Um, yeah, that, that will keep volatility somewhat suppressed. You know, the VIX above 30 percent. Um, the dollar still looks like one of the best places to be, although I'm looking somewhat more favorably the Japanese yen. We're starting to see some two-way price action coming through in the treasury markets again. But, you know, if I look at the equity markets, Blake, every time I see a rally coming through or an up day in the market, we see higher volume. And that tells me funds are just deleveraging and, and, and using that strength to, to, to sell. I mean, it's a seller's rally. We sell in rallies at the moment. So I think sentiment seems to be pretty shot at the moment. How are you reading it? You know, sentiment is really shot at the moment. And, uh, and I think a lot of that is, well, I mean, there's so many different things, so many facets of it. But Chris, uh, we're going to talk about cryptos, but really, you know, the crypto market, as we've highlighted here so many times over the last however many six months that we've been doing this show together, crypto is really the a really a big sentiment indicator, and it is in yep. the toilet at the moment. That you've got inflation that doesn't look like it's going to subside. Uh, you know, the, I mean, everybody's looking for peak inflation. How about? leveling high inflation. I mean, that's what it seems like in the US. Uh, you've got equity markets that, you know, there's a blind in the sand that I'm looking for just from a technical level. It's like 4,100 on the S&P. That means if we're below that, you got to stay bearish. Sentiment's going to be bad. And sentiment is one of those things, Chris, from a, from a market standpoint, 
it's something that the Fed tries desperately to control because they know when sentiment turns, it turns viciously and it's hard. It's kind of like the inflation genie bottle that you always hear about. The sentiment genie bottle is the very same genie. It's just in a different form. And when it comes out of the bottle and it changes, it's hard to stick that bearish sentiment or that negative sentiment back in the bottle. And the Fed has to do everything to try to stop that. Let me say this. I think let's keep things real simple, right? You talk about the Fed you know, wanting to control sentiment. Well, right now, the, you know, the Fed wants sentiment to deteriorate. I mean, not, not so badly, but they, they want lower equity prices. The Fed do not have yours and mine and, and the public's back. They want lower equity prices. They want the dollar to go higher. They want real rates to go higher. They want credit spreads to widen. They need financial conditions to tighten because they want the credibility. And that credibility that, that has been shot to pieces is about they don't want to be the you know after 40 years of winning the inflation war they don't want to be known as the central banker certainly power doesn't want to be known as the central banker who has who has lost this this battle against price pressures and they want to do everything to do that so you know for me keep it simple what is simple don't fight the fed what does don't fight the fed look it means lower equity prices it means lower yeah i mean the fed's raising rates they're on cruise control they're on cruise control yeah absolutely all right (laughs) Well, let's turn it over to the euro. And, uh, you know, the euro has been a bit of a head scratcher recently. And I got a message from a buddy of mine who was like, hey, look, you know, and this is a guy that I traded with for 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 several years. And he's like, I don't know what's holding the euro at one one oh five. But it's whole, it's held there and it's held there really strong. And you don't know if it's like a sovereign buyer. You don't know if, you know, who's doing what. But I'm looking at the euro and I'm trying to figure out why is it up here at this point? And I guess the question is, do, do you think it's going to break below 105? Do you think the dollar is about ready to let loose on another tirade in the markets? I mean, I look at I look at the sentiment deteriorating, as you discussed, and I, I, I try to look around at the currency market and try to figure out, oh, wait, you know, where are we going to want to park? Where's, where's everybody going to want to park their money? And right now, it seems to be the dollar and the dollar is the least dirty shirt in the drawer or in the hamper, however mm-hmm. you want to look at it. But the Euro is just perched above 105. Do you think we have an epic break of that level, Chris? Do you think that level is about ready to give way? Like maybe by the time people are watching this? Yeah. I mean, I think what you've seen is it's a slight change from the ECB, haven't you? I mean, they've made it pretty clear with Lagarde and some of the other members there that they're going to raise rates in July. They're going to close out their, their asset purchase program in June, which will give them scope then to, to raise probably by 25 basis points in, in that July meeting. Um, and, you know, the euro's found some solace in that, some short covering coming through, um, mainly against the pound, because the pound's been the weakest link over the last few days. And we can talk about that a little bit later on. But the yen's starting to look a bit look a bit cheeky at the moment, Blake. Um, yeah, we're starting to see some 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 somewhat better qualities in the yen, maybe as a, as a safe, but, you know, reverting back to that safe haven play, you know, some unwind of the carry trade, which has worked so well for a lot of these trend following funds. They've been long, um, you know, dollar yen and all these other places picking up carry as well as the capital gain. And I think if Vol continues the way, then, then some of these positions come off. But um, yeah, I think, uh, yeah, I, I like euro dollar lower. Um, Break-even rates have been high in Europe, which has, was allowed euro appreciation. Um, but I think you need to look at relative real rates, um, so, I, yeah, I think against the dollar, you'd be looking at levels to sell into. And, I, yeah, I think one, once 105 goes, then that's that's the case. But uh, if you want to be long the euro at the moment, it's against the pound, isn't it? Yeah, it sure is. And and I want to and I also want to say regarding 
a risk aversion or in a period when sentiment's pretty sour, whenever you see a, you know, a, a bearish market that we're in and you see us breaking a lot of key levels, a lot of times risk aversion comes in like a relay race. You'll see the dollar strengthen for a day or two, then it passes off to the yen, then net over to gold. Yeah. And you'll see people just looking for different safe havens, but it's a lot, a lot like a relay race. So when you say that the yen's looking a little cheeky, yeah, that that makes a little sense to me, Chris, and and I've seen it. So, yeah, like let's go back to uh, let's go back to our good friend, the crypto landscape. Obviously, um, UST has been the big one there. Terra has been the big issue where we saw the the peg effectively breaking. They run a, an algorithmic situation there, and and that's been you know hugely volatile as that peg's broken. Yeah, you know, Luna, the coin, um, the token has has been absolutely hammered. Now, I think the, the one of the I'm, I'm not an expert in this field, and, and I'm not sure if you are, but uh, you may, correct me if I'm wrong. There's a lot of questions that this throws up. The first one that, that, that we've been fielding is, is does this um, have ramifications for some of the bigger ones like Tether, for example, like USDC? I know that Tether is, is very deeply entwined with the financial system. It has about $30 billion worth of commercial papers. It's, it's one of the biggest holders, I think top five holders of commercial paper. So is it too big to fail? We know that Janet Yellen, the US Treasury, Treasury Secretary, has said that you know Tether and USDC and, and stable coins do pose a threat to the to the US and global financial system. So yeah, is there a systemic issue, or is this is this what's happening in, with UST? Is that just a, a, a idiosyncratic situation? The second question then comes into the idea of yeah, you know, not not just stable coins that have been getting hammered, but actual. You know these these tokens, these these coins. Um, I know that they use Luna in their protocol, um, but you know you've seen massive volatility there. So what's your thoughts? Well, first first of all, um, the good news is, Chris, is I don't see it being well as far as today goes. You see it being idiosyncratic, and it's not it's not bleeding into different markets. And I mean, I I'm not an expert either in what's ha happening with Luna and Terra, but I'll, but I, you know, the reading that I've done, I was like, wow, that sounds like a Ponzi scheme to me, you know, like what, what's it backed by? It's not backed by anything. It's backed by this value. And this value is backed by something else. That's not backed by anything either. So you got two coins backed by each other that, you know, you know, if you lose, uh, if, if you lose, if you lose faith in one, then, you know, it's it, it, obviously it's going to, it's going to crash and that's what happened, but it didn't make its way over. But I, I go, going to your second question, I have to say that the, the, the currency market is getting slammed. And that is one thing that, uh, that, that I think we should be paying attention to because again, it's that risk barometer. It's that sentiment indicator that a lot of people are looking for, but I've also had the question posed to me, did we see some sort of capitulation? And my answer is we haven't. And, and I think there's lower levels to go in crypto. In crypto, yeah. Yeah, yeah in crypto, generally speaking. But uh, it's been a wild, wild move. And I feel for a lot of people that have been holding some of these, uh, some of these coins. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, but at the end of the day, I mean, but yeah, what's your time horizon? But, uh, you know, if, if you're down from 65 grand, then... You know, you've got to manage that risk. You know, you've got to admit you're wrong and and and, and go to cash and, and and take that position off. You just got to you just got to know when you're wrong and not put your head in the sand. But yeah, I I, I think this is going to be an idiosyncratic situation. Um, we are watching Tether and we are watching for black swans that come out of it. If the U.S. Treasury are concerned, you know, it's definitely something that should be on our radar as well. But for me, crypto is a momentum vehicle. I've said it time and time again. Buy it when it's going up, short it when it's going down, and uh, keep it simple because that's what it does. And it does it better than most uh, instruments out there.
Well, speaking of, uh, I, I think that's a perfect segue to the next topic, Chris. I want to talk a little bit about volatility. I mean, volatility has been on the rise, and and you know the VIX that that everybody tends to follow is what at a thirty handle, something like that. Yeah. Um, volatility's up. The the moves are getting bigger, and this is a perfect time to take a step back and have a public safety announcement for all of my fellow traders at home in their home offices, managing books, whatever you're, however you're managing through the markets. This is the time where volatility is picking up. Things are getting kind of wide. Take down your position size, make it smaller, widen out your stops a little bit so you can you can be cushioned by some of that volatility and, and be able to ride out some of these trends because there is a lot of volatility. And these are the times where people get trade, people get hurt. And I'm going to tell you what, Chris, your your business at Pepperstone and what I do at Forex Analytics. You know, our survival is is based off survival of traders that are around us in our communities. And, you know, we want you to thrive when mm. there's time to thrive, but mm. we also want you to be careful when you can get hurt. And these are one of those times where you can get hurt. So I just wanted to wanted to throw that out there as more of a public safety announcement for all of yeah, our yeah. fellow traders around the globe. What are your thoughts? Well, I think volatility is absolutely key for everything we do. I mean, um, you know, when when volatility is high across asset class and in, in all the major ones, then yeah, of course. I mean, when you look at the, the, the range expansion, we can look at the ATRs. There's a whole raft of what things you can use, Bollinger Bands, um, standard deviation, all these kind of factors. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, you need to trade with a wider stop because your propensity to get stopped out because of the ranges are higher. So if you're taking your stop loss out, you've got to have a lower position size to accommodate for the risk you're taking on. So position size is key. What, what you don't want to be doing in this market is find something that's in a rip-roaring uptrend. Um, yeah, the volatility is high and, and you don't take your position size down and you sell into that and you try and trade against the trend. That's why people get carted out in this market. That's why people dust their accounts. So, yeah, you're going to have a look at what's working really well right now. It's trend following funds. They had their best March, I think, on record. They had the best, uh, one of the best uh, Aprils on record. Trend following systematic funds, which are going along for the trend, whether it's in, in treasuries, whether it's in currency markets, think yen, think dollars. Um, yeah, they're killing it at the moment, Blake. So the, the trick is, especially when you're trading on leverage, you know, you're trying to fight the trend, you need to be pinpoint accurate with your entry. Investors don't get that, but you need to be pinpoint, especially when you're trading on high leverage. Position size is really key there. It, it is key. And and I mean, I even saw traders today in our community. They're like, they they didn't know what was happening with uh, with with Luna. And, uh, and, and they're like, Oh, wow, it's bounced from three to six. And I know they were trying to pick bottoms and I'm like, yeah, but it's at one right now. So, yeah. you know, it, it, it's, it, you guys got to be careful. You guys and gals got to be careful. This is the That's time right. where you need to adhere to sound risk management. And as Chris pointed out, be really careful where your executions are. And if it's all right to, it's all right to be wrong. It's not okay to stay wrong. Correct. Exactly right. But yeah, do respect volatility. Movement in the market needs to be adhered to. When you've got a vol regime like this, position size absolutely matters if you are to survive and thrive. Anyway, let's go into some of the charts that are catching our eyes. Let's go to that Sounds setup. Great. Right, I'm going to bring up the big one, the one that everyone's talking about, Blake, uh, and that is Bitcoin now. We've seen pricing trade through that that horizontal uh, support levels. We're actually sort of just, just shy of it now. By the time um, 
you know, I gave the chart to my producer. You know, we're just just shy of that one at the moment. As I speak at this very moment from Chateau Weston, uh, we're currently <laughs> 29,592. So we're just below those levels now. You know, if you have a look at the um, the technicals on this one right here, right now, there's actually a bit of an air pocket that comes down to like, you know, you pick a number, what, 20,000 or so. We've got this bare flag that's, that's now been broken, which you can see that that, Technically, I'm not calling it, but technically the target on that is around 10,000 or so. So, yeah, I mean, if we get through this this last bastion of support, then, um, yeah, it's going to be ugly. I mean, you definitely trade it, in my opinion, from the short side. Now, we might see in the next 24 hours a short covering rally. And, you know, scalpers are going to be all over this one right now. Um, but um, the setup, that at least from the daily chart, is looking very, very precarious indeed. Now, I know we've been bullish over the past. But I mean, this 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 setup now. If it breaks through this horizontal lows, then the, you know it's a bit of an air pocket that goes further lower. So yeah, I, I'd definitely be trading that from the short side if it breaks and can close through those lows. What do you think? Well, I I I'll tell you, I've been very constructive Bitcoin while we we're in that channel, and once we broke down through what you 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 see as the bear flag, you're right. Lower levels, it seems like that is where we're going. Once that broke, all hell broke loose, and that that really happened over the last week. And I, and I have to say this, that many people are tr targeting that breakout point at, at 20,000. My opinion is we're going to go way past that, where your bear flag might actually come into play, or we're going to stop short of it because so many people are going to have bids there that yeah. you know it, it, it's going to stop ahead of 20K and probably hit 22K. I'm not willing to make that call right now, but I will tell you what, if we start getting below 28,000, 22,000 is not very far away, and that seems almost logical. I want, to, I want to say one of the big variables, like you've got to look at Michael Saylor as well, MicroStrategy. MicroStrategy is getting absolutely carted out. Coinbase, yeah, these kind of companies are getting smashed at the moment. Shorting them is another way of alternative of doing this. But yeah, Michael Saylor, I think his average fill was around 21,000 for Bitcoin, one of the biggest holders out there. So yeah, what he does uh, in terms of margin calls and various factors could be a really interesting dynamic there as well. We sure could. That that could be that catalyst that drives us below 20K. So, but let's try not to be too bearish right now. I'm no. going to take us over to the Aussie, your homeland, where you reside. And, you know, I've been talking about this trade for a long time and, and we, we I revisited it, I want to say two or three episodes ago, Chris, so two, three weeks ago. And I was like, yeah, we're just stopping shy of 70 cents. I'm not sure if it's going to get down there. It seems like we're trying to create a higher higher low, and then boom, it goes to the 200-day moving average and then all the way back down. Now, here's the thing. Mm. I have been planning to buy the Aussie dollar at these levels since last year. It's something that's been on my radar. I've talked about it multiple times, not only on this show, but on other venues as well. And we are getting towards that 69, 68 cent level where I am finding it attractive. Now, I am obviously, obviously, you know, very aware of our environment right now. And it's hard to, you know, get into a trade that's just going to make you puke. But sometimes those are the best trades eventually. Yeah. Um, but at this point, the Aussie dollar looks like it will see 69 cents, if not 68 cents. And that is a place where I'm willing to stick my my foot out. And 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 that's something I've been wanting to do. And, you know, you you plan a trade and I'm trading my plan. That's what I'm looking for. Chris, what are your thoughts? I just want to know, like, I, mean, like I get the technicals and, you know, I don't disagree with that, to be honest. I think, yeah, 
coming into that that lower trend line seems to be the case. What mm-hmm. I don't get, what I what I, I I I you know this idea that you know you had an idea last year to to do it when when the facts change we change. Surely the facts have changed so much that 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 idea that you had last year still no longer stands fundamentally, tactically, technically. So you know if you wanted to do it last year as the trade of the decade or um, you know. How can that be? How can that still be the case if, if, if so much water has gone under a murky bridge? So, you know, the, that's a great question. And, and here's here's going to be my rebuttal. I try to see if it will fit into a master plan on what's happening in this current environment. And the fact of the matter is we are getting oversold on some indices. We might get a bounce. We might get a bounce from these levels. And I think inflation is not going away. And I think uh, inflation-linked currencies like the Canadian dollar, the Australian dollar, the Kiwi dollar, all those commodity currencies are going to perform better than the dollar in years, years, years ahead. So I'm thinking that yeah, we might get a bounce here, and I'm willing to start looking around and sticking sticking some uh, sticking some orders out. So. Yeah, good stuff. No, I mean, I don't disagree. I'm just interested. I mean, I'm open mind to, to everyone's process, and I'm not going to poo-poo that. But uh, you know, uh, five months is a long time in, in in the markets, right? So it is. It it really is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's um, let's uh, let's let's go to um, let's go to the US 500 because this is uh, an interesting one as well. I mean, we've got a wave of quality coming through. We've kind of hit that point, right? But you've also got this kind of head and shoulders pattern. Um, if you were to take the chart out a little bit, which we can't do here because it's a static picture, um, but you'd be able to see that that head and shoulders, we got to the highs. We've, it's, you know, obviously a reversal pattern playing through. doesn't necessarily give that, that, that impression, but we've traded through the neckline, as you can see there. So it's kind of make or break time. Um, I will say that everyone is saying this market is oversold. You know, like you can look at in market internals. I'll give you some statistics, Blake. I'll use the NASDAQ, for example, because I've got it right in front of me now. We've got 15% of stocks above their 200-day moving average. I mean, it's, it's down at the lows we saw back in 2020. We've got 38 or 38% of stocks making four-week lows at the moment. We've got, um, you know, 6% of stocks at above their 20-day moving average. I can go through all these market internals. The market is crazy oversold at the moment. Um, but... It's just in a bear market like this, I think what's oversold doesn't really matter. It just doesn't got that same same situation. And as I said in the beginning, every rally that we see in this market is being sold into. You know, the volume on those up days is significantly higher than the down days. And that tells me that people are selling rallies. So to me, it's a slow grind lower. I, I, I like the market lower. I could be wrong, obviously. I'm often wrong. But uh, yeah, I think for me, with, with all this flow and deleveraging that's taking place, I think equities go lower. What do you think on that chart? I, th- I think I think you're right. And as long as we stay below 4,100, like I said earlier, I, I don't think there's any reason to be on the long side. Are we oversold? Yeah, but you know, we, we'll, we could be over more oversold at any given point and bounces are probably going to be shallow. And I agree with you, we're probably going to continue to grind lower until the Fed blinks. And if exactly. you think that the Fed is not on cruise control right now, to raise rates another uh, another half a basis point, then another half a basis point. I think you're crazy. Yeah. But is there a point where the Fed will blink? Yeah. Is it right now? Not as far as I can see. Inflation is all about inflation at the moment. And do you know what we heard from Bostick last night after the inflation number is that 75 basis points, well, not base case, 
could be back on the table. And, and I think that's the issue. What, what, one thing that could really accelerate the move to the downside, and we talked about last week, is crude. Crude is on a rip-roaring tear over the last 24 hours. And if crude continues yeah. to push higher, it's going to be a negative for the markets because people talk about your headline inflation. So put crude on your radar, put nat gas on the radar. If they continue seeing that sort of flow, then I think equity markets will not like that because anything that says inflation is going to be staunchly ingrained, just give the Fed more scope to go harder at this market. I'm pretty sure we said that last week, Chris, when I said, hey, where's that breaking point in crude? And we're getting towards that. It's going yep. to be like higher prices is not good for good for for, yeah, for anything. Yeah, so uh, uh, and and glad you brought that up. But I'm gonna I'm gonna shift gears a little bit more to the euro sterling because and I know this is a rare. I like to use Chris's commentary here. It's a cheeky little headline: Brexit yeah. 2.0. Yeah. Um, but you know, let's you know, let's not ignore the fact that the sterling is extremely weak right now. And one of the reasons why the sterling is weak is because there are threats between the UK and the European Union right now regarding Northern Ireland. And uh, I'm going to read something from the from the from the Associated Press from from about 12, 13, 15 hours ago, says uh, Foreign Secretary Liz Truss said the government would not shy away from taking action if it can't reach an agreement with the bloc, the euro euro bloc. The EU warned that renegotiating the legally binding agreement is not an option. And any move by Britain to unilaterally rewrite the rules would bring legal action from the bloc that could escalate into a trade war. This is all regarding Ireland, the borders, and 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 being able to form a new government in Northern Ireland. And I'll tell you what, it's not something that everybody's thinking about, but it should be. And I tell you, the sterling looks like it is paying attention as the euro pound is nudged up against that 86 pence level. And I'll tell you, that's 127% extension. It's wedging right into that number. And, you know, a lot of people are looking at the sterling thinking, yeah, it's weak. It should bounce because it's oversold. But that thing could see 120 in a heartbeat. And if the euro continues to hold on to 105, the sterling goes to 120, that euro sterling is going to be at 88 pence before you can blink. What are your thoughts here, Chris? Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, this this idea. I mean, it's a complicated issue for a lot of people, especially uh, Americans who 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 aren't as well read, I guess. Just, a, just, a, just Wait, a what? I'm I'm standing right here. Right <laughs> here. I'm just joking. No, I mean, look, obviously the um. I mean, this is coming off the back of the uh, the Bank of England last week saying that there, there was stagflationary sort of concerns coming through, and I think the markets have repriced. I mean, there's a bit a bit being priced into the rates market. They're, they've been priced out. Just looking now, we've got um, yeah, basically 100, but 107 basis points of hikes uh, being priced over the next uh, you know 12 months by the end of the year, effectively. So there's another full rate hikes. But this um, yeah, this this uh, this Northern Ireland Protocol is yeah, it's despised by a lot of people. Um, the EU need it in there, and yeah, if, if the UK go against it, that 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 could that could certainly see geopolitical issues between um, the UK ramp up, and and that's certainly are something that, that I don't think is necessarily priced into the pound. So yeah, I think this is part of the reason why you know no one's buying the pound, and of course all the books dynamics play through. So you've got interest rate hikes that can still come out. You've got stagflationary environment that's being admitted by the Bank of England. And you've got geopolitical issues playing through there. So, yeah, I think all signs for me suggest uh, selling the pound. And, uh, you know, I'd like to do that against the Japanese yen at the moment, Blake. All right. Cool. Uh, and with that, let's go to play of the day because <laughs> I think that's probably where we're going to go. That's it. Well, I think you just saw on the... Uh, on the on the the, uh, the picture there that uh, that Pepperstone is now a major partner with the ATP tour. So Blake, next time uh, I'm uh, 
coming over to America, I'll get you some tickets and we'll go over to wherever the, uh, the ATP tour happens to take place. Hopefully there's one in Nevada somewhere. Um, but, uh, you know, get, get a cheeky gig to Vegas, but yeah, it's really exciting times for us, you know, getting a, getting in bed with the ATP is, uh, is obviously a big business and, uh, yeah, major brand and, um, yeah, very exciting times for us there. So great to see. Anyway, let's, uh, let's go to the, um, to my trade of the day. I'm going to wear a pound against the Japanese yen for all of those reasons that I just mentioned there. Um, but also, you know, when you, when you actually come out with this sort of fundamental view, when you are trading currencies in any kind of situation, you want the flow of capital to be on your side as well. I don't like to trade against the trend. I know it's a cliche, um, but, you know, you're going up against reserve managers. You're going up against real money, pension funds, life funds. You're going against hedge funds. They're all doing one time. The currency market is a hodgepodge, a melting point of flow. Uh, and effectively, you want to align with that flow of capital. So my view on that is that the pound's got downside. If we have a look at the daily chart of sterling against the Japanese yen, yeah, we look, we know what's happening in Japan. We know the Bank of Japan are arguably the most dovish there. But what they've done is, is, is towed a consistent line. In the UK, you've priced a lot of rates. Some of those rates are coming out of the pound. Now, if we have a look at that, that, that horizontal red line, if we break through that, I think it's just going to accelerate to the downside. And I think you've got that, that blue box coming around sort of 157.50 around those kind of region there as well. So, yeah, I think uh, fundamentally, yeah, I love this one to the downside. Um, and right now, the flow of capital is telling me that the, 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 the market is warming to that view as well. So uh, when you get those two together, Blake, you've got yourself a trade. You know, I like it too. And, and just so just between you, me, and everybody else listening, I actually have an order to short that already in the market. And I had it out since way earlier, uh, earlier uh, this session. So um, glad you pointed that out. So let's take a look at gold. And I want to talk about my play of the day. You know, gold has reached the Gartley gold. Gold's Gartley. The Gartley it's a bullish pattern. And this is, it's a pattern that comes into a lot of confluence. And, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you, I love it when I get multiple levels of confluence and then, and then you, t- you, you throw in a hot inflation uh, uh, print that we got today. And you know what? Gold could rally and, and gold will be an inflation hedge again at some point. It's always been known as one since I started trading. And it's going to be known as one again. But this is a Garley pattern. This is a bullish Garley. And it and notice how we respected the 200-day moving average to a T yesterday. Also, multiple trend lines came in from that top of that uh, triangle, the bottom of that triangle. They all intersect right at the 200-day. And I'm going to tell you this right now. Hey, as long as we trade above 1810, then I think we get a bounce probably back to 1950. We get below 1810, 1800. Yeah, I don't know if you're going to want to be long anymore. And that's good risk reward from where we stand. Yeah, I think there'll be a lot of clients who are very happy with your call there, to be honest, because I think there's always a, a structurally bullish argument to be made there for, for gold. But I think the fact that we saw real rates down 15 basis points and twos last night tells you that the market sees the Fed as, as significantly behind the curve. And that's why gold had a bit of a rally on the back of that. Anyway, exciting times ahead. Blake and I have dissected a lot of what's going in crypto. We want to hear from you about what you think about what's going on in crypto right here, right now, because I know there's some lots of people who are very entwined with that that market, um, and you know, are, are really yeah, understand a lot about what's going on in that in that field. So really keen to hear what you have to say there. We also want to hear about what you have to say about currency markets, some of the views that you know Blake's call on gold, for example. And yeah, thanks for everyone who's watched the show tonight. If you've liked the fun, if you've liked the show, smash that like button. Really appreciate that one as well. Anyway, we'll see you next week.